Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 35th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron, because I got off work early today. I got to head over to JQH Arena, and I got to see Mario McKinney and Cameron Fletcher. Uh, in the state semifinal game today, so that's pretty cool. A uh, little afternoon for you and I. As yes, we, we, I was, was going to say I, I know that you did that because I was there. You were with you. It was a, little, it was a nice little date, and yes. it was it was really fun. Yeah, uh, for both of us, that was the first time we had seen Vashon play in person. Uh, we were talking about how we wish that they would have been in the tournament of champions this year, maybe instead of Belleville, but uh, they were really fun to watch. The, it was close for a quarter. And then Vashon just ran away with it in the second quarter. Yeah, Mario McKinney had 22 points at halftime. I think he finished with 26. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could tell he was kind of ticking over the game early. He didn't really have to do a whole lot in the second half because it just wasn't real competitive. But Yeah, they were scoring early by uh, – uh, they were playing Charleston, and Charleston was playing a zone. And they were scoring early by getting the ball to McKinney in the high post. Mm-hmm. And then he would just kind of muscle his way in there for a layup. Yeah, he was breaking down the post from from the inside, which is not something I thought they would do. And he actually jumped at the ball at the beginning of the game too. Yeah, I think he typically does that. I didn't know that. And either. he won the tip, and um, but then he started shooting really well from deep. Vashon, uh, he and the number one, I don't remember his name, they both were shooting lights out from three for you know the whole second quarter basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh, my thoughts on McKinney didn't really change a whole lot. I mean, obviously, super athletic. We knew that. Did he ever uh, get a dunk down? He I attempted don't think a few. So. I don't think so. He missed a pretty big dunk. Yeah, got fouled um, a couple times, I think, trying yeah. to trying to dunk it. But he shot better than I think I was expecting. But I'm not sure that he ever was very well covered. Maybe on one or two of them, he had a hand in his face. But uh, he shot the ball really well. Um, but just. I don't know that Charleston had anybody on their team over like 6'3", so um, he's going to not be that open or, or be shooting over those short of guys probably in college, but still it was good to see. Yeah, I was actually really disappointed when I saw Charleston come out and play in a zone because um, Vashon just tries to play as fast as possible on both ends of the floor, and they ended up having to – a lot of times they were just shooting over the zone, which worked because they were making shots, but – I would have liked to see, you know, a little bit more. They and but they got out in transition, yeah, pretty well. But yeah, the second half it was just they were going crazy, just yeah. running all over the place. What did you think about uh, Cam Fletcher? Uh, he was kind of quiet. Well, that's it's the stat sheet will say he was quiet, but he had the biggest highlights of anybody because yeah. he had monster dunks. And actually, I think the player that I was most impressed with by him was where on a fast break he kind of got it thrown to him. Um, over his head as he was running down the court and it looked like he was either going to have to throw it back to somebody else or maybe just run out of bounds because he had too much momentum going um, under the basket but with his long arms he was able to just kind of reach back behind him and lay the ball up off the glass when if you looked at like a sideline camera he was almost out of bounds yeah. and just reached up behind completely, and laid the ball in. Completely under the basket. Yeah, I have to agree. That was probably the most impressive thing he did. He just has like tremendous length, and I think that's why he's getting so many looks at the high power five level right now. It's just his 
insane potential with his his body type is is crazy. Yeah, he also blocked a shot with like his forearm elbow <laughs> area. Yeah, he can he can get up for sure. Yeah, and he he got another one way up there, like at the top of the square on the backboard, but was called for goaltending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, going on a visit to Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, soon yeah it seems like uh, Michigan State is definitely uh, gonna turn on the press for him which is at least early on in the recruiting process but I don't know it seems like he's getting a lot of crazy high looks right now but I wouldn't I wouldn't count Mizzou out uh, at this point Um, it's kind of funny on Twitter Mizzou fans are upset that or you know worried about Michigan State getting involved in his recruitment but Michigan State fans on Twitter are all saying "Ah, it doesn't matter he's going to Duke really (laughs) that's what they're saying so um, I don't know if I like the sound of that, but we will see. A long way to go. I mean, I mean, I've only seen him play once. I have a really hard time seeing him go to Duke, but I I don't evaluate players for a living, so I don't know. I will be watching them again tomorrow in the championship game, um, the state class three championship. Um, so maybe it seems like kind of he and Mario kind of trade off at times. It, it, when I see box scores or stat lines from it it doesn't seem like they're both going for 25 very often it seems like either one is taken over or the other but it was really fun to watch and if you're in Springfield and want to see some good basketball the state uh, final fours being here is pretty cool mm-hmm. yeah in other news uh, we got some basketball news related to the FBI and directly with the SEC because LSU coach uh, Will Wade has been at the forefront of the FBI recruiting scandal investigations lately. A report came out, I think I saw it on Yahoo Sports, um, with direct quotes via a wire, an FBI wiretap where he was discussing offers, in quotes, to, um, I think, Smart, uh, that it currently plays for LSU. Yeah, he's a Um, freshman there right now. Yeah. Uh, Talking to, I forget his first name, Dawkins. Christian Dawkins. Yeah, Christian Dawkins, who is like kind of the the focal point of the FBI's investigation. Yeah, he's kind of the middleman, I think. But uh, yeah, it doesn't look good for Will Wade. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. It seems like anything that's happened has kind of taken a long time. But today, Will Wade's name's kind of been thrown around quite a bit in in this ordeal. But definitely today, it seemed like it got real for them. Uh, where they've got actual, you know, proof of of him saying I've I'm offering a big deal for this for the so and so. So talking about helping him, helping his mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the article was talking about how Will Wade seemed to be upset that a third party, a third party was upset that they weren't getting a very good deal, and the family was the only one getting a good deal. And Wade, I don't know, that is just seems like a mess yeah. that he's in. Um, the timeline of the conversation he was having with Dawkins lined up perfectly with when, is his name Javanta Smart? I'll look it up. Uh, when, that sounds when, right. when Mr. Smart committed to LSU, like the the conversations that they, you know, had had gotten from them was like June seventeenth to June thirtieth of two thousand seventeen, and Smart committed on the thirtieth. So right. yeah, Javante Smart. Okay, so uh, it certainly looks like. Uh, Will Wade is in some hot water right now. Uh, it's just kind of interesting timing with LSU being as good as they are right now. Uh, I mean, they're probably going to win the SEC. It's crazy. Yeah, they'll get 
uh, technically a share of the SEC regular season title, but they'll be the number one seed because of tiebreakers in the tournament. Yeah, they just All they have to do is beat Vanderbilt. Exactly. But, you know, this coming out now reminds me of when all the information came out about Sean Miller um, at Arizona, and nothing's really happened. Yeah. I don't know if this will eventually all come to a head and um, the NCAA will start punishing people. I don't yeah, know. I have no idea. Uh, I, I might have kind of a hot take here regarding all of this, but I think, honestly, it's kind of silly. And I, and I think we kind of saw this in some of the sentencing that came out. There was a judge. Um, I'm going to probably butcher this story, but there was a judge that actually gave out some sentences in this FBI investigation. And he was basically, seemed like he was over it. And he was like, this is, the attitude that the sentences um, showed was kind of like, this is dumb. Like, why are we... Christian Dawkins was one of those people. One of the three people, yeah. Uh, They got really light sentences, which... Six months. Honestly, I'm okay with. Um, These guys were doing something, I guess, technically illegal, obviously against NCAA rules. They were getting some high school kids some money. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the key right there is, as you said, it. they broke NCAA rules. Yeah. And and the judge is kind of like, be, why do I care about NCAA exactly. rules? Exactly. They're, they're being tried for uh, like federal time. Yeah. And uh, Christian Dawkins and one of the other guys was got six months and Merle Code was, got nine months. So, yeah, pretty light sentences. For all three of those guys involved and i think uh yeah the judge said uh, i think they they did something to show that they had earned a lighter sentence and i don't know but he essentially they broke ncaa rules so yeah. who cares they were cooperative and um you know were yeah willing to help out with the investigation in any way that they could it, it seems like so yeah i i think it'll be interesting to see what comes because what comes of it as far as the head coaches are concerned because I could see a bunch of coaches getting fired. I could see no coaches getting fired and everybody just kind of saying, well, the NCAA is awful, so why do we care? Do you think that this eventually will lead to payers, or, uh, players getting paid down the road, or do you think that will those things will kind of remain? I don't think so. Um, I think, yeah, I, I don't think it will lead to that directly. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a whole other can of worms, yeah. but... I mean, it's the whole thing of, of having amateurism within college sports is it creates this kind of these kind of exactly. problems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, prohibition of anything creates an underground um, market for it. Pretty much. So that's exactly what we're seeing here. Um, in other basketball news, I don't even know if I want to mention this because who cares? But uh, Kansas is not going to win the Big 12 this year. And really the only reason I want to bring it up is just to say they really lost the Big 12 uh, in Missouri's final season in the Big 12 because uh, for all intents and purposes, Missouri got robbed at the game at Lawrence, Kansas. Because Thomas Robinson like fouled Phil Pressey yeah. into the first row. Yeah, he got all ball and also went right through Pressey's body on the way to the ball. And I saw some people tweeting about that and I wholeheartedly agree that the the streak was actually broken many years ago i certainly will not disagree with that in football news though i can't believe we're already talking about spring football um (laughs) it's awesome there was just a a few stories coming out of spring camp um 
what did you have there? Rashad Floyd. Rashad Floyd, uh, going to play cornerback, or at least he's going to try to run with the cornerbacks. Um, kind of see how he does, because obviously the wide receivers are pretty stacked, and we could use some help at cornerback. Um, and he's an athletic kid. I, I think he played defense in high school, or I think he may, maybe went both ways in high school. I don't know. But uh, it'll be interesting to uh, keep an eye on that. Because, I mean, once if we've got a couple guys get hurt at cornerback or something, then we're really, really thin there. So yeah. it'd be nice to have some more depth. And I, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we talked about Micah Wilson switching the wide receiver last week. Um, so same thing. We'll kind of see how he, do, how he does. Really athletic kid. So has a, has a, p- a chance to, to maybe get a little bit of playing time there maybe. Um, one thing that has come out of camp that I thought was pretty interesting is the uh, Barry Odom stance as far as media availability. So he's basically said that after any practice, any coach and any player, first of all, practices are fully open to the media. And afterwards, any coach and any player can be interviewed by any media member. Yeah, I think it's really it's really great to see. I mean, it's it's crazy how far Barry Odom's come in his you know three years as, as the Missouri coach. I mean, the first year... And I mean, as a non-media member, I didn't really care all that much. I mean, I, I now almost, as I almost, a media member, yeah, right. <laughs> as a non-media member, uh, three years ago, I definitely, I almost kind of liked it. I was like, all right, yeah, just, just win. Who cares, you know? And now that you know, I've kind of watched from, uh, you know, maybe a different perspective. Um, I, I realized that. Well, I think Barry's realized. I mean, who? It just doesn't matter. I mean, this is this is how. The fans love the team. They mm-hmm. they get to know the players. They they get to know their stories, and I think it it generates fan interest. And I think he's kind of starting to realize that these media members are are good guys. They're not out to you know start rumors about my players or mm-hmm. or infiltrate you know practice and tell all my secrets. They're just trying to to do their job. They're trying to to make cool stories and interesting stories, and it helps everybody honestly. Yeah, I mean, I can understand how a coach would be leery of. The media in general just because especially one who was a player mm-hmm. and um, and maybe there are media members out there that are trying to do those things but i genuinely think mo- most of of the guys that cover missouri i mean barry's gotten to know you know gabe and dave matter and some of those guys and i think he he can tell at this point you know these guys are genuinely just trying to do their jobs and in, in a you know high standard yeah. way in a in genuine way no, but that's what i was going to say though is one or a few people that aren't doing it right can ruin it for everyone so but i think when you open it up like that they'll kind of police themselves you know if if some of these media members see stuff that they don't want to be associated with and they think that it's going to ruin their opportunity or what they've got going you know as far as their access they will probably be able to figure out a way to handle that themselves because i mean they don't want their opportunity going away um hard pivot to NFL combine. I didn't have any sort of transition there. <laughs> That's okay. I'll, I'll just throw in. I, I really, I really do. I really like Barry a lot. And I, I just, one more thing that makes me like him a lot. I just, I think he's, I think he's really trying to do his absolute best job, but I think we all knew that anyway. But, um, yeah, the NFL combine was, uh, I think a really, really beneficial thing for Missouri's program. Uh, and a lot of guys, uh, coming from Missouri, uh, obviously, Emmanuel Hall, massive, massive NFL combine. I mean, he he increased his draft stock tremendously, as much as any Missouri player I think I've ever seen in, like, one week of the combine. And he was hurt. And he apparently has, like, a sports hernia or something, or maybe has one. I don't know. But 
the kid, I mean, we knew he was an athletic freak, but good Lord. He comes out, gets the second best broad jump in the history of the combine, the best wide receiver broad jump ever. Uh, he has, like, the, the best vertical jump in the combine or maybe tied for the best. Runs a 4, 3, 9, 40 mm-hmm. or something. He's just, he's just an animal. And honestly, during the season, even without all of his injuries, I'm not sure that I thought that he would be a super high-coveted draft pick. I thought he might go fourth or fifth round or something. I mean, he's a little bit skinny, and you know, I, and by the way, he did 15 reps on the bench right. press, which is also really good for yeah. for him. But I, I, like I said, I, I didn't really think he was going to be a super big draft pick. I think he's got a chance to be a second-round pick now, honestly, and. He, I mean, looking back at Missouri's season, he was so impactful when he was on the, I mean, was on the field, and we talked about that so much during the season. Well, I saw something today that I think uh, Pro Football Focus put out. It was a tweet that showed, um, I think it was just draft eligible receivers, their quarterback rating when thrown to, and his was off the charts. It was like one forty four, yeah, which is just insane. But that speaks to how successful Missouri's offense was when he was out there. Yeah. So it was good to see that for him. Uh, I just hope he can stay healthy in the NFL if he can. I think he can really be a nice piece for somebody. Um, Drew Locke, same thing. I mean, did everything we expected him to do, did well in the interviews, threw really well. Um, I know I'm biased, and I'm trying not to be, but, I mean, Drew Locke looks like the best guy, the best quarterback in the, in the, in the draft to me. Uh, I ha- I'm not a big Dwayne Haskins fan. I'm not a big Kyler Murray fan. Um, <clears throat> Kyler Murray is obviously really athletic as well. Uh, Dwayne Haskins has a decent arm, and he's probably a little bit more athletic uh, than than I thought. But I mean, I mean, Drew Locke ran a better forty than yeah. Haskins, so I don't know. Um, all around, I think Drew Locke is the best quarterback prospect. Um, we'll see in the long run. I still think Kyler Murray is the first one drafted, but that really. It doesn't make sense to me. But it doesn't make sense to me. And he, he has not interviewed well. He didn't throw at the combine. He didn't throw. We'll see. Uh, he'll get, everybody gets to do a pro day still. So, yeah. I mean, if you throw well at the combine, that is huge because you're, you're getting a leg up, I think. Yeah. Still a long way to go before the draft. Um, but it's been fun watching Drew Locke uh, do well and represent Missouri well. Yeah, I think uh, Kendall Blanton also, I uh, saw some tweets where he, he measured really well and had overall a, a, f- a pretty decent combine, so mm-hmm. I think he's going to get drafted. Which I is, think there could be five different Missouri guys get drafted, and I think Paul Adams maybe even you know had a decent combine and has a chance to get drafted. Or I mean, he'll be a free agent signee for sure if he doesn't get drafted. Yeah, and I saw today where uh, an NFL executive, an anonymous NFL person said that Mizzou is uh, – underrated as far as the their ability to produce NFL players sure and yeah I mean they produce draft picks I mean not like the top of the SEC but mm-hmm. right I think th- we are like middle of the road right. as far as yeah and obviously Terry Beckner Jr. is going to be probably a third or fourth round pick as well so but if you're middle of the road as far as producing NFL players in the SEC then you're doing really well mm-hmm. well that's all I have for news and we get to talk about some wins. Nice. We've not talked about wins for a little while on the basketball side of things, but we're going to talk about two wins. The first one came in a victory, a revenge victory against South Carolina at home for Missouri. Missouri won that one 78-63. Offensive explosion. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they scored uh, 
49 points in the second half. Missouri did. Um, we were actually watching a lot of this on my phone at a Missouri State basketball game <laughs> because I have to keep the tradition alive of at least once a year watching a Mizzou game on my phone from a Missouri State basketball game. You were not supposed to tell them that. Well, I watched it again. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, this was a, a really good game for Missouri. And South Carolina, they've got a weird-looking record, but they're – they're honestly pretty good, and I was a little bit surprised to see Missouri pull this one off by 15, and it didn't even seem all that close for a lot of the game, honestly. Uh, no, there was a point where South Carolina cut the lead to four, and it was kind of like, oh, here we go. Uh, Double-digit di- double second-half lead dwindling down to four points, but then Missouri turned around and put it right back out to 10. And every time South Car- from then on, every time South Carolina got it down to eight, it was right back out to 10. Yeah. And it ended up being a 15-point win. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, watching Missouri win is a lot better than watching them lose. Oh, yeah. And it's good I to see. I noticed that. You did? Okay, that's weird. Uh, it's good to see Kevin Perrier kind of have a bounce-back game. Fantastic. Kind of just hopefully end on a good note for his Mizzou career after such a very interesting year for him. Yeah, Kevin Perrier with 18 points. Uh, was getting to the free throw line. He was converting. Uh, South Carolina was playing a zone, and he would um, get that high post position and make good plays out of out of that spot. Uh, six rebounds, three assists for him as well. And it was a pretty quiet 18 points. I mean, yeah, because half of them were at the free throw line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, incredibly impressive by him, and just exactly what they needed in this game to kind of weather. South Carolina's comeback attempt and put it away. Yeah, I mean, pretty balanced scoring across the board. Pickett had nine, guys had 15. Reed Nico only had, uh, even had eight. And, yeah, he uh, played 18 minutes in this one, was uh, perfect four for four from the field. I thought he played really good minutes. Had yeah, some, he did. Played yeah. good defense, some timely rebounds. For sure. And a, uh, a guy named Torrance Watson had 20 points, so... Uh, that's that's probably the key takeaway from this game, honestly, and just the past couple of games in general, is that Watson has completely emerged. Yeah, um, I saw a tweet that in his last three games, he's averaging uh, over 16 points per game and uh, I think 46% from three. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected him to necessarily play this well, like right off the bat. just Or for a whole season or, as yeah. a freshman or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean... If you, if you know anything about Torrance Watson, where he's coming from, you know he's coming from kind of a small program. He's going against, like, little 5'8 kids, you know, uh, and he's dropping, like, 40 every game because he has no competition. So yeah. making that adjustment to, like, high major college basketball is enormous. And so to see him, you know, play this well uh, in his freshman year is really exciting because I knew he'd have an adjustment period. Yeah, the improvement has been incredible. I mean, he went from... I honestly don't think I've seen a player improve like he has in a freshman season. I can't remember the last time I saw such improvement because he went from getting the ball and trying to drive it and never really looking at the basket, just kind of fumbling up the air ball. Balls. Yeah, I think it wasn't his first three-point attempt in a Missouri uniform, just a complete air ball. I think so. But yeah. he went from that to now he's converting and ones yeah. and um, just – shooting with extreme confidence he's got the prettiest jump shot i think i've ever seen in my life <laughs> just go and just like 
at the apex of his jump, just the yes. perfect release and go. Just it looks so beautiful when it's going in. Yeah. Um, Jordan Geist also had 15 points in this one. I. And we're gonna talk about the senior night matchup with Ole Miss here in a little bit, and I'm gonna profess my love for Jordan Geist because he's been so incredible. And talk about a guy who's improved over a three-year yeah, span. Man, if everybody could improve like Jordan guys yeah. in a three-year span. And we've heard it from, I think, every coach that has coached against Missouri this year. They have nothing but um, good things to say about Jordan Geist in the post-game press conference. Yeah. He kind of started out as, you know, his sophomore year. I mean, from time to time, you'd have some good drives and stuff like that. But he was just almost like that kind of punky kid that would just make everybody mad all the time he was just always like getting in random little like still, scuffles still with everybody he does but now he's good so yeah. he has like actual he's like earned their production respect. to yeah. back it up yeah, yeah. Uh, two years ago it was just kind of like who's that like pesky kid yeah like, yeah but now he's actually good and is leading the team and um yeah we're really gonna miss jordan guys for sure um a lot of what i'm talking about in the south carolina game uh, transfers over to the georgia game but um, missouri's rebounding has been crazy recently um, even against good competition. I mean, against Mississippi State, they still rebounded the ball really well in a pretty bad loss, but they've just been dominating on the boards. Jeremiah Tillman looks like he's doing it very easily. I mean, he has his uh, minutes have been a little bit down from what we saw a little bit earlier in the season, but he's been really productive still. Yeah, it just kind of goes along with uh, the narrative of Missouri just playing hard all the time and uh, a lot of rebounding is just like effort know, kind of putting yeah. yourself where you need to be in effort yeah uh, and speaking of Jeremiah Tillman one thing I love about watching Tillman play and I know especially noticed it uh, last night watching the Georgia game is he just hustles down the floor mm-hmm. like he just run, he runs the floor so well and like he'll you know make a shot or something and he's just booking it down yeah. to the other side of the court and I just I love watching him uh, pour, put forth that kind of effort or if he like blocks a shot on the defensive end he is sprinting down the court to try to get early position on offense to yeah. get an easy basket mm-hmm. um, so the Georgia game the first half of that was one of the ugliest things I've ever seen um, true statement am I remembering this correctly neither team made a three pointer in the first half they I, th- were, like, I think you're right combined over 24 or something yeah. like that yeah crazy but then Torrance Watson went off and he missed again correct me if I'm wrong I'm pretty sure he missed he attempted five threes and missed them all then turned around and made his next five threes so he ended up five for ten and went oh for five and then five for five yeah I I think it's very close for sure if it's if he didn't do that it was crazy he was on fire um, it's just it's fun, man. I, I was just sitting there smiling to myself about how, how good he's been playing lately. Yeah, it just looked like, I mean, the bench was getting into it, and every time he would let it go in the second half, it looked just like it was, it was going to go in. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah, that that's part of the average that we've been talking about where he's just been crazy the last few games, and hopefully he can continue that yeah. against Mississippi. But um, Jordan Geist, again, with 18 points, he didn't even make a three, but – um, he got to the free throw line a couple times. He was super efficient. Also had six assists. Jordan Guy's so good when he gets in the lane and not necessarily even ha- having to score every time, but when he just gets down there 
and he starts just going to work. I don't know. Yeah. He'll kind of pump fake, and Use or his he'll body, find yes, pivot, he'll pump pivot, fake. find a guy, yep. or or find a way to put it in. Like he's so crafty when he gets down there, and it looks like he's screwed every time yeah. or something. But and it looks, and but then he makes it look easy, even though that's those are really difficult shots. Like yeah. when he like pivots around and then fades back and bounces it off the backboard like above the square and it goes in yeah like that's not just yeah. something that you can just do yeah, he's really good at facilitating for sure uh one thing that i wanted to mention in the georgia game is we did not see kj santos um, after playing nine minutes in the south carolina game and i thought he did okay he had a really nice feed to uh nico early on and played some decent defense, but only nine minutes in that one and then zero minutes in the Georgia game. It's still kind of a mystery. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely just have to wait till probably 10 games into next year to have any idea what's going on with him. Yeah, Mitchell Smith got the start too. Yeah, that it, was interesting. It may honestly just be about matchups. I don't really know. Yeah, so Georgia has um, Nicholas Claxton, who's 6'11", but kind of plays like a wing. He's basically exactly what... Um, people talked about Mitchell Smith doing this season. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was kind of just a perfect matchup for him to yeah. get the start. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if I would read into it too much, but still, I mean, it is weird that he would just not get any minutes at all. Yeah. Cause I mean, Mitchell Smith only played 17. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, Tillman kind of bounced back in this one by getting to play 28 minutes. Uh, didn't foul out or anything, but I don't know that Georgia, uh, they were without, um, Rashawn Hammonds, mm -hmm. who's uh, a sophomore, who's going to be a big part of their rebuild. Yeah. Um, and I want to say he's their leading scorer this season. Um, yeah. So obviously that affected their offense, but their offense could literally do nothing. But Ken Palm really liked Missouri's defensive effort, despite the fact that Georgia is not very good because Missouri jumped all the way up to number 72. I think they that's... Dropped, they, uh, they jumped 20 spots. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, Georgia was man, I don't I don't know if I've watched them much this year, but they just couldn't do anything. They were awful. And um, maybe that had to do with Missouri's defense. I don't know. There's that's two games now this year that where we've just caught somebody in a terrible funk and the mm -hmm. other game was against at was at Texas A and M where it felt like they could do nothing either. And um I don't know. It's just sometimes you just can't make a shot. I don't know. I don't know how if it's more complicated than that. But Missouri did a really good job playing defense. Definitely, they they were not letting them score. That's for, that's for sure. No, and it should have been. I mean, it should have been a bigger lead than it was. But Missouri was almost just as cold as Georgia in the first half. I mean, at one point, I'm pretty sure uh, Jordan Geist had 14 points, and <laughs> so did Georgia as yeah, a team. I noticed and that. Georgia finished the first half with 14 points. Yeah, it's just awful. I mean, I kind of feel bad for Tom Crean because he obviously is trying to navigate a very difficult SEC league with players that aren't his. And I think Georgia will be fine. I mean, they've got – don't they have, like, number one player in the country yeah. coming in? Yeah, I don't feel too bad for They'll, Crean. I don't feel too <laughs> bad for him. I think they're going to figure it out. He'll get his players in there. But I know what it feels like to just, like, have no hope for, like, a season. And it yeah. almost we almost feel like that a little bit this year. But they have it way worse, I think, because oh, – yeah. I don't know. At least we're playing hard. <laughs> yeah, I. They are only most likely only going to win two SEC games this season. Yeah, but I guarantee you they're not going to win less than three 
or less than four this season and the next two seasons like Missouri did a little bit ago for three straight seasons. That's yeah. just they'll bounce back yeah. for sure. They do have so, several seniors, don't they? Well, some of them don't really, are kind of reserve players. Yeah, so. the, any the people that are leaving uh, for Georgia are all getting replaced by players that will be able to contribute from day one gotcha. more than these guys have. But I was just I I do want to mention I predicted a two game winning streak, and that's exactly what happened. You're amazing. <laughs> a savant. Yeah. Anything else about these two games? Not really. I mean, it was just Missouri just put these teams away, you know? There just wasn't – there's not a whole lot to talk about other than the fact – you know, it's kind of like almost like how these games have been in the past, you know, a few weeks where they just were kind of out of it against Mississippi State. There wasn't a whole lot to talk about in some of these games in yeah. a bad way. This way, it was almost the opposite. I mean, they just – these games weren't super close. Georgia was awful. Uh, South Carolina just – didn't ever really seem like they were too interested in winning that one either. Yeah, one thing that I did think was pretty interesting was that Missouri won this game in basically the opposite way that they were than they were winning games at the beginning of the season because against South Carolina they shot 24% from 3 and 66% from 2. Against Georgia they shot 29% from 3 and 55% from 2. And they were not doing anything close to that at the beginning of the season. They were completely opposite. Yeah, and some of that has to do with Mark Smith, but still, I mean, even with the emergence of Torrance Watson. Yeah, even with Watson shooting 5 of 10, the rest of the team made 1-3. Yeah, that's crazy. But now they play Ole Miss, and it's senior night. Ole Miss is still on the good side of the SEC tournament bubble, I believe. Um, they've got enough quality wins. They're 19 and 11 overall, and nine and eight in conference. They're ranked 43rd now in Ken Palm, 33rd on offense, 68th on defense, and they beat Missouri at the Pavilion uh, in mid-February, 75 to 65. In that game, Tillman only played 15 minutes. He fouled out in that one. And probably the most important stat when you look at the box score of that one is Ole Miss shot 20 of 23 on free throws, while Mizzou shot 9 of 12. So a pretty big discrepancy there that I doubt you will see at Mizzou Arena. And Ole Miss is coming off of three straight losses to Tennessee, Arkansas, and Kentucky. Yeah, I think the big key here is going to be uh, Tillman staying in the game uh, like it is for a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Can can Torrance Watson uh, keep up his hot shooting? Um, if both of those things even somewhat continue, I think Missouri's going to pull this one off. I think Missouri's pretty focused right now. Even in a season where they're probably not playing for a whole lot, they seem like they just enjoy playing together, and I think they're really bought in. Uh, and I, I th- Like I said, I think they're really focused, and I think they've got a good chance to win. Uh, however, Ole Miss has a, has had a pretty good season, and I think they're still fighting for an NCAA tournament spot mm-hmm. potentially. So, uh, you know, they're not going to lay down at all. They're still focused on on getting as many wins as they can. Yeah, and I think um, I think Missouri actually got it easy in their first matchup as far as Ole Miss's guards not really lighting up the scoreboard like they're capable of. Yeah, and so I, I'm glad that happened at home on a road game for Missouri. Um, because I think Missouri at home is going to play a little bit better defense mm-hmm. and maybe have a better chance of slowing these guys down, even if they are 
on their game more than they were in the previous matchup. Yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a good matchup. I think it'll be a really close game. Um, but I, I think Missouri will... Uh, did I just say Missouri? Missouri. Missouri is going to pull out a... They're going to squeak out a close one. Wow. I think they're going to win by one point. And it's going to be 71 to 70. Wow. That's... Wow. How do you like that? I like that. That sounds great. Um, I think that Missouri will have trouble slowing down Brian Tyree... Terrence Davis, Devontae Schuler, I think they will that threesome will be trouble. However, with the way Missouri's been rebounding the ball, I think that they can I think they can match up with them. And I'm gonna predict a three game winning streak. And I'll go on record right now and say this is gonna actually be a four game winning streak because Missouri's gonna win their first game of the SEC tournament. Are they just pretty much locked in to uh, play Georgia? I think so, in the first, but I'm not first sure. Game. Uh, let me let me give a score real quick, and we'll get to that. Um, sixty-eight to sixty-four, Missouri. Very nice. So, if Missouri wins, they will finish the regular season with a record of fifteen and fifteen, and. As a little bit of prep for this episode, I went back and listened to our um, preseason preview. This was after the news of Jonte Porter's injury, so we were factoring that into our projections. You picked them to win 16 games. I picked them to win 17 games in the regular season. So, And I admitted that I was being very optimistic. Yeah, that's not bad. So we were pretty close. They just need to pull one game off against, like, Temple or something. Or LSU, maybe. Or uh, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I I was was proud of us for being pretty close with our projections there. Yeah. Yeah, I think we were pretty realistic, and I think we knew, obviously, how big of an impact Jonte was going to have on the season. So We also thought that um, we thought Tillman, Geist, and Mark Smith were the three best players on this roster that we're going to play mm-hmm. and if you would have told us then that mark smith was only gonna play half the season then oh, I, I don't i would have probably knocked a win or two off of my total yeah for sure but looking ahead to the sec tournament um i have it pulled up here i'm pretty sure missouri will play georgia in the sec tournament but if missouri wins against Ole Miss and Texas A&M loses to Mississippi State they will have the same 6 and 12 conference record so I'm not sure as A&M yeah yeah I don't know how the tiebreaker works but I honestly feel okay playing either Georgia or Vanderbilt in the first round yeah however if Missouri fans want somebody to root for this weekend root for Auburn to beat Tennessee and root for South Carolina to some root for Georgia to somehow beat South Carolina. Because if, if Missouri plays Georgia in the first round, then they will play either South Carolina or Auburn as the five seed. And I would much rather play South Carolina as the five seed than Auburn as the five seed. I completely agree. Other than that, we still have the one seed to decide because LSU all they have to do is beat Vanderbilt, and they'll hold on to that. 
which is crazy <laughs> to think about. They're, I, I saw that they're 9-0 and in road games this year. And they're also like 6-1 and in games decided by five points or less. It's crazy to think they could they could win the SEC considering how dominant Tennessee has been, and I mean how how much uh, Kentucky's really come on at the end of yeah. the year. Uh, kind of just forgotten about LSU, and it's possible that if LSU wins the SEC tournament, they could be in conversation for an for a one seed in the NCAA tournament. That just yeah, seems if insane. They, if they beat Tennessee or Kentucky, if they beat both Tennessee, if they were able to seeding wise beat both of those teams in the SEC tournament, I think they would be a one seed. Yeah. That's just nuts. <laughs> Missouri should have beat them, man. Should have. It took a 14, was it 14 points? Something like that, Collapse man. in two minutes. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I really don't think that Alabama's going to make the NCAA tournament. I think that's the eighth team that, is that the line yeah i think that's the eighth team that will not get in i think they'll only be seven yeah. but i could see i could see alabama and florida both getting in there's no way south carolina is getting in unless they win the sec tournament yeah the bubble's really not very good this year to be honest so if one of the or one or two of these teams somehow make a little bit of a run in the sec tournament they're going to make it interesting because there's just not a whole lot of competition out there on on the bubble mm-hmm um, looking ahead at the schedule for the podcast, I just want to let everybody know um, we are going to record on Tuesday of next week. So, and we'll just go ahead and post that Tuesday night, probably as soon as it's done. So it'll be ready to listen to on Wednesday before Missouri's first round matchup in the SEC tournament. So Missouri will play Saturday and then play Wednesday in the SEC tournament. Then Selection Sunday will be on the 17th, and we'll do another episode on Tuesday night, the 19th, and we will outline a bracket challenge. We'll, we'll be putting together a Missouri Sports Podcast group on the ESPN Tournament Challenge and invite all of you to compete with us. We'll announce any prizes and stuff uh, on that episode. We'll get into our brackets do some bracketology and we will talk about how incredible it is that Missouri won the SEC tournament and that they are going to the big dance. <laughs> it truly is probably like my favorite time of year for sports stuff. So now, I knew you were going to say that, and I have to call you out on it oh, because okay. when I listened to the uh, um, I probably basketball said... preview episode in preparation for this, you said that the end of college football season beginning of college basketball season was your favorite time of year wow you know me so well you were literally prepared for that to the t um well i lied last time because march madness is is the best time of i year. knew you would say that but i also really love like that first couple weeks of like college football season too though so oh man i can't pick a favorite but march madness is really tough to beat yeah especially if missouri's good but it's still really fun regardless yep well, I gave everybody their marching orders of who to root for this weekend in the SEC. So you got anything else for the folks? I think that's it. We can kind of keep this one short since we'll be right back, right back on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, and Spotify. You can tweet us at, Missouri, uh, at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. You can also find me tomorrow. Friday at JQH Arena watching Vashon play in the championship 
Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week.